Father, thank you for the opportunity we have to be here this morning. To continue to praise you, the one that created and sustains life. Father, thank you for giving us this opportunity to come together as a body and to reflect on what you've done. Lord, thanks for your strength, for your wisdom, for your guidance. I pray that as we look to your word, that you would continue to reveal your truth to us. That our hearts would be softened in such a way we would hear what you have to say. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to engage you today. In Jesus' name, Amen. We started the series last week, What You Think Matters. What you really think at the core of who you are and what you believe about God and what you believe about the Bible, all of that matters. I know that sometimes we, we major on the majors and, and then we fight over the minors, right? We, we try to stay focused on what the Word of God says here on Sunday mornings and we do that on purpose. We've got to continually revisit what it is that God was saying to us and what we think and how we process our world. It's called a, a biblical worldview that we're trying to develop that we're working on, that we're allowing ourselves to be guided through that process by Scripture and by the Holy Spirit, by His influence in our lives, illuminating and making clear some things that we don't always understand. And so this is a process and it happens continually throughout your life. And last week we talked specifically about God created the heavens and the earth, right? That at the very beginning, that that is the core of where we need to begin. That as we understand life that, that lives in and through us and around us and inside of this world, that it started there. That if we're going to look at all of the different facets of intellectual dispute and, and all of the conversations that we want to have out there, really when we center it all down and boil it all down to, to what we really want to get across, it's about the fact that God created. That we need to stay there. Sometimes we get so confused and, and frustrated by all the different theories and pieces and parts and academia that, that we lose sight of simple faith. The faith that Jesus recognized in small children. <laughs> that He understood and welcomed that the children listened and followed. And that's what He asks, right? When he, when he called the disciples, that's what He said. Hey, follow Me. He looked at them and said, I'm going to make you now fishers of men. He used something that they already knew how to do. He took what it was that they had made a lifetime out of, a generational pastime in families, and incorporated it into their understanding of what He wanted them to do in the world. That's how God has always worked. And so it's kind of funny, as I was thinking about all these topics, and I want to encourage you again, if there's things that, that you want to, to look at on a Sunday morning, make sure you send out an email to me, or a text, or a phone call, or even write it on a piece of paper and just hand it to me. Whatever it is, Ben or I will we'll get around to it in this series. We plan on being on it for quite a while. 
Today, I decided that as we ended last week, we looked at this separation from creation that happens. As we understood the, the sadness and the depth of, of gravity inside of that situation, that, that we would look at sin today. Because what you think about sin really matters. It's a word that, that we don't use a lot in our everyday language and in our everyday culture. We don't look at it, we don't study it, we don't even think about it most of the time. But what you think about sin does matter. It'll affect how you live your life. And it was funny to me that as I tried to share it on social media and things, I kept getting an error report. It would literally would not let me put it out. <laughs> now I haven't tried again since, since Friday, but I couldn't even send out the U version stuff. Now, some of that may be because you looked at it and going, I'm not going to church to talk about sin. <laughs> some of it was, I think, what the world wants is for us to be ignorant of sin. To not even deal with the actual concept. To continue in traditional views of what is sin and what is not. And, and to think about it in those ways. To really not dialogue about what God calls sin and, and the fact that, that it is a way of life. It's a lifestyle. It's something that we are born into. Something that we can't get away from sometimes. The only way that we can is through the grace of Jesus. It's the only thing that overcomes it in our life. And so it's important that you understand sin and what it is and what it is not. And so as I looked through it, I came to uh, the first place for the nugget that I want you to remember, the thing that, that we're going to talk about, the place that it originates for me in my mind and, and that we need to apply to ourselves and everyone else around us. What you think about sin matters and in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, Romans chapter 3, verse 23, it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So if we're going to boil it down to something and we're going to start somewhere, then we need to start with the fact that this is in everybody's view. There is no one here this morning that doesn't need to hear this. There is no one that you're going to bump in tomorrow morning to that doesn't need to hear it as well. For we all have sinned. Why is that important? Because it changes the way in which you view your world. If you believe that God created this world, that changes the way you view things. If you believe that what He says in His Word, that all have sinned, then it changes the way in which you view your world as well. Not only yourself, but everyone else around you. That we all have this ability to sin. That all have sinned and, and we've come up short of the glory of God. Why? Because first of all, it's His glory, right? 
That everything we have is from Him and through Him and to Him and to Him be the glory. That's, that's the way it was created. It's the way it was designed. And we all have sinned. It's not something that's an easy thing to, to tell yourself in the morning. It's not exactly the swing thought you want to start your day. Man, I'm a sinner, right? Because we've made it into something that, that possibly it's not. It's a starting place, no, no doubt about it. It's a place that identifies us at our core. Our propensities and desires are born out of that nature that's within us. But sometimes we give it way too much credit. We spend so much time looking at it and avoiding it <laughs> that we don't focus on what it is that God wants us to do and just turn our back on it. You know you have that ability. And so as we understand that all of us have sinned, it's a place for us to recenter our own hearts, to know that, that sin is not ranked, first of all. You won't find, yeah, you'll find the Ten Commandments and you'll think things that identify sin. You'll find lists that Paul makes of things that, that are flagrant in our world, that things that we need to know about that God counts as sin, but in no way, shape, or form do they have, this is the worst one, this is the next worst, and this, there's no list there. There's sin. And we've all done it. Period. We all start at that place. Understanding that helps us to understand where we fit in relation to others because you can't rank sin. I can then no longer compare myself to someone else to justify my sin. If I can't rank sin then I can no longer compare myself to someone else to justify my sin. By saying, look, my sin's lower on the list than their sin. <laughs> no. If you really get what this verse says, then all have sinned. Period. That's it. We all start at that place and all have a desire to overcome it that are here this morning. Because it's the thing that keeps us from relationship with our Creator. That's why we want to overcome it. That's the desire. That's, that's kind of why you're here today to help put yourself closer to Jesus and closer to Creator God through time spent in His Word and with, the, with His people. The idea that we all have sinned is pretty critical because it changes the way we view ourselves and the way we view other people. It helps us to understand in totality the need for a Savior. In our life and in the life of everyone around us in this world. To help them recognize their need for it. to restore the relationship with God the Creator can only happen through the forgiveness of our sin. And that can only happen by an introduction 
to Jesus. Because the other piece of this, as we'll get to, is is that pursuit of righteousness. Paul couches it pretty plainly through the New Testament that you're you're either the old creation or the new creation. There's not any middle ground. You're either a slave to sin or a slave to righteousness. There is no in between. What are you pursuing? We like to think that we can analyze and notate and and defend ourselves against the number of sins that we may complete in a day. (laughs) Keep track of them. We may even list them and say some are worse than others. And You're paying way too much attention to sin, in my opinion, if that's what you're doing. It's not for you to determine. If we all have sinned and we all start at that very base place in our world, then the only thing that we have in common is our need for a Savior. Our need to be declared righteous by Jesus. That's what He did at the cross. That's what justification means. To be declared righteous. So then we can pursue righteousness and turn our back to that sinful nature. It's not an easy thing to talk about on a Sunday. To talk about sin, that there's no ranking, you can't compare yourself to others, that that it's the entirety of the human race that will struggle with it. It's the reality. How you process it in your own life will dictate then how you handle relationships with other people and with your Creator. As we look back to Genesis chapter 3, some of what we talked about last week. Genesis chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, being Adam and Eve. And they realized that they were naked, and so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as He was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from Him. They hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. There was an immediate reaction when they disobeyed God, when they sinned, when they introduced sin to our world, there was an immediate reaction inside of their own relationship. There was shame. There was separation. Immediately they recognized they should not be naked. we got to get clothes on. we got to sew these fig leaves together. we got to put something between us. The purity and the clearness of that relationship was altered forever. It was not the way it was designed. It was changed forever. Sin affects your relationships. <laughs> Period. Sin will affect your personal relationships with everyone that you care about, everyone that you come in contact with. 
it has changed it. It has separated us. It makes it difficult sometimes to even relate to some people. Sin also alters your relationship with God the Creator. Not only did they immediately feel shame between each other, but they were shamed of, they were ashamed of what they had done, right? God had said, don't eat of this one tree in the garden. And immediately they knew they had disobeyed. And they hid and they created that separation. They thought somehow maybe I can hide in this place that God has created. He won't find me and He won't find out I disobeyed. And if we're honest, we still play that game with God sometimes, don't we? We still deal with things internally that are sin, that damage our relationships with others and with our Creator. We allow them to be there. Because we're more comfortable with them than we are with the vulnerability of not having them to cling to sometimes. Sometimes the comfort of those things that we do is overwhelming to us. If I change this way of life, if I become this person, Doug, that that the Bible says I'm supposed to be and I pursue righteousness, then I'm going to look different to my friends. I'm not going to be able to to hang out in some of these things. I'm not going to be able to laugh at some of those jokes. I'm not going to be able to, to work in some of those circles anymore. And so you try to keep a foot in both camps. And you try to say... I, am, I want to rank these things, and I don't actually do that that they do. I draw the line there, Lord. But you haven't considered what it would look like to be a slave to righteousness either. To understand the price that Jesus paid for your righteousness. To close that gap between you and others may mean eliminating those things that that you have trivialized and say they're not as sinful as some. To close the gap between you and the Creator. To allow yourself to be vulnerable with Him and and to grow in the spiritual depth and understanding. To be able to be the the leader of the family men that you're to be. To be the, the person that God wants you to be means you've got to follow with 100% of who you are.
The reason that Paul makes it so clear when he uses these illustrations throughout the New Testament that there's old and there's new, right? There's a slave to sin and there's a slave to righteousness. These things are clear cut. Because we know in our world that we are incapable of living in both places. We pursue something 100% at the moment we are pursuing it. There are times when we are motivated and we pursue righteousness with all of our hearts and and we try to do that, but then there are other times when we're worn out, when we're frustrated, when we just want to be comforted and we pursue sin 100%. Because that's the way it works. You can't be pursuing righteousness and yet be in sin. Those two don't go together. You're pursuing one or the other. And it's that struggle internally that believers deal with all of their life. To understand that they were created, that they've been designed, that they have this relationship, this responsibility to the Creator of our world. To feel that and to know it at times, right? To really be immersed in it, to understand it. And yet sometimes feel utterly incapable of finding it. (laughs) Lost. Hemmed in on all sides by some of our own sin. You have to wrestle with the question. Do you believe that sin affects your relationships? You have to answer that for yourself. Do you believe that sin affects your ability to love those around you? Do you believe that sin affects your relationship with God? I'm not going to ask for a show of hands and a, and a complete utterance of all of the sins that you think you've committed this week. That's not, that's not what we're going to do this morning. That's not my place either. That's between you and your Savior. To understand your need for that is okay. To visit with Him often about it is good. That is pursuing righteousness. You see, this shame that we feel is brought on because we have disappointed the Creator. We have disappointed maybe someone around us and we feel this shame and that shame then has an opportunity to give rise to repentance. If we didn't feel that shame, if we didn't feel that remorse, then we would never repent from sin either. 
But we know His mercy and His grace are new every morning. We know that a relationship with our Creator is waiting for us anew and fresh every day. And as we develop this this desire to pursue righteousness, as, as we turn our back on sin and pursuing righteousness, it doesn't mean that we won't wrestle with sin. Inside of this context in our world, we will. The shame that we will feel will drive us to repentance faster the more and better we become at pursuing righteousness. The idea here is that as the very first man and woman stood before God in the cool of the day waiting to take a walk because God had shown up in their life, there was a separation there. And God didn't leave them that way, right? Think of the tenderness and the compassion that God showed in that moment. Here they stood with fig leaves trying to cover their shame. And God, for the first time in our world's history, sheds blood of an animal. destroys something in His creation to provide a covering for His people. God knew instantly what we needed again. What we were struggling with and what we would for eternity and was moved by compassion to provide for it again. His role never changed. His provision and protection didn't change even after our disobedience. But we've got to then not take for granted that He's going to continue to do that. We've got to understand and recognize His compassion and His love for us and pursue that, not count on it when I'm pursuing this. Romans chapter 6. In Romans chapter 6, this is how it's articulated. It says, I am using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations. We're human and we cannot understand the mind of God. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things that you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness. 
And the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's a familiar verse at the end. That we understand that that once we were slaves to sin, and once we gave ourselves to that, before we were declared righteous by the blood of Jesus, before we had an opportunity to pursue righteousness, we pursued sin with all of our vigor. And the writer here says, what good did it do for you to pursue those things? What benefit came of the things that you are now ashamed of? Weighing out these things in your life, these choices every day. Am I going to be a slave to sin? You see, we want to, we want to boil sin down and say that it's one thing at one time. It is not, folks. The power of sin is a lifestyle. <laughs> Period. When it says that Jesus conquered sin and death, it doesn't mean that 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 one thing that you did today is covered. It means there's a whole host of powerful things in our world that will pull you in. It is a lifestyle. It is a pursuit. And what you think about sin matters. If you think you can control sin in a little Tupperware dish on the counter and go and snack on it when you feel like it, you're wrong. It is way too powerful for that. And we know it, right? The reason that it still is on the counter is because we don't have the strength to get rid of it. You know the power of sin in your life. You know the areas that that it affects you most predominantly. The only thing that I can offer you is what the Bible says. (laughs) I can't offer you a three-step process to be rid of sin. I can't tell you that that once you are delivered that I can heal you from your... It's not going to happen. Paul articulates it in a way that only Paul can, right? He says, the things I want to do, I don't do, and the things I do do, I don't want to do. Very confusing way to say he can't figure it out either. The only thing I can encourage you with is allow that desire for righteousness to gain strength in your life. Surround yourself with the things that build that up. Understand that you've been bought by a price, by Jesus' blood, just as God sacrificed that animal in the garden to, to help in the covering of Adam and Eve. He so provided the sacrifice of His Son to overwhelm the sin in your life. And He bought you so that you might be a slave to righteousness. That you are purchased. 
That you are owned by righteousness. That you turn your back on sin. There is no middle ground. It just doesn't work that way. Do you believe that sin affects your relationships? If you do, then pursue righteousness. Pursue that which God has created for us to do. By grace you have been saved through faith. It's a gift of God, right? The gift of God is eternal life. The wages of sin is death. We already know that. God told Adam and Eve that before they disobeyed. That if you eat of that tree, you're going to bring about death. We know the cost sometimes, and yet we still are willing to think we're not going to have to pay it. Sin has a value in our lives. And it affects the way you view your relationships with other people. It affects how you view yourself. It affects how you judge other people at times. Church, we have been guilty for millennia of thinking ourselves better than everyone else that's not in church this morning. My Bible says that all have sinned. I don't know about you, but I stand here this morning as a sinner. Period. Saved by grace. Trying to pursue righteousness so that I don't have to give up my life to sin anymore. So that my relationships are better. So that my God and I are closer. So that I spend time pursuing righteousness with what I am and who I want to be. But I have to understand and what I think about my sin matters. If I think that it doesn't affect the relationships around me, then I'm going to continue to dabble in it. And it will have an adverse effect on your life. You will never be the person that God designed you to be fully with sin in your life. This week... That's the question. What you think about sin matters. And do you believe that sin affects your relationships with others and God? Do you believe that? Because if you do, then you're going to try to flee from it. There just is no lukewarmness about it. There is no middle ground about this, folks. Anywhere that I take you in Scripture, it's going to say it's one or the other. It's going to use language like flee youthful lusts. 
It's going to say, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. <laughs> okay? Like there is no middle ground here. And what you think about sin and how you control it in your life, what you believe you're capable of, is a lie. Just as Satan used it in the very first sentence to humanity. Because he said to Eve, did God really say what He meant? Did God really say that you're going to die? Do you really believe that? And that was the seed of disobedience that left us to wrestle with it all of our life. (laughs) With that same struggle, right? That nuanced question, do I really believe that sin affects my relationships with God? and with others. Do I really believe that in my heart? If I do, then I'm going to take it seriously and try to eliminate it from my life so that my relationships become healthier and more God-honoring. Father, thank You for Your grace. Lord, I pray that You would continue to help us to understand this. Lord, that we would see our sin for what it is. That we would deal with it in totality. That we would try to eliminate it from our our existence. Lord, and we know that the only way that we can do that is to fall on our knees, confess it, to repent of it, to ask for forgiveness and then pursue righteousness. Lord, I know that that there will be things we struggle with even this afternoon and it's going to be a difficult thing to process all of this, but I pray, Lord, that we come out on the other side with better relationships and a stronger knowledge of who You are and a thankful heart for what You've done in our lives. Father, restore our relationships. Deepen them. Strengthen them. In Jesus' name, Amen.